Welcome to Storyboard. I'm Lars. I'm Meg. We like to talk about overlooked films and TV. Today we've got some true confessions for you. We're discussing some notable movies depicting visions of the future. We've got an original pitch and we'll end with some things on our radar. Pull up a chair. Meg, it's confession time. I know you're hiding some deep, dark, cinematic and TV secrets from me. Um, Some things that you love and hate that do not meet with the popular opinion. Or, you know, or maybe something that you haven't seen that everyone else on earth has seen. I don't know. So, I don't know. Give me Can you tell she's going in blind and just not know what I'm going to talk about? (laughs) Yeah. No idea. Um, Pulling back the curtain. So, I actually... I think especially among friends have kind of reputation as a contrarian so there's a lot of things that I'm not it was actually really hard for me to think of true confessions because I'm like I'm pricing all the time loud I I can't tell you how many times I'm like texting you and being like I hated it It oh yeah I I cannot make heads or tails of what I think you're gonna think of something it's a real mystery (laughs) I'm a real riddler Mm -hmm. just call me Jim Carrey (laughs) Um, and I will so I only picked two things, and they're TV-related, okay. and they're related to each other. Okay. Number one, I think I've actually talked about this before on this podcast. I am a huge, unapologetic fan of the TV show Monk. Starring <laughs> <Kill> Supreme. <laughs> Tony Shalhoub. <laughs> Get on my smell and salt. I'm dropping bombs on I just, like I that. really was like, thank you, and I was like, this is really, it's, almost a guilty pleasure but i genuinely like would fight for it over a lot of prestige tv i love the character of adrian monk i'm a big fan of detective shows which is true i'm also a fan a fan of kind of like episodic shows that aren't very concerned with like some overarching mm-hmm. mystery they're just monsters of the week it very <laughs> yeah it's like a yeah murder of the week yeah. sort of and i think part of that is that i grew up watching a lot of like diagnosis murder or murder she wrote and I still have fondness for those but I think it was a great um showcase for Tony Shalhoub's comedic chops conversely I think it's a true tragedy that Tony Shalhoub is so wasted in one of the worst (laughs) shows I've seen in the last few years which is the marvelous Mrs. Maisel so painful I hate it I hate it I hate it okay I know people who like the show. That's uh, great. It's critical consensus. Yeah, that's when fine. I watched it, it was such a cognitive dissonance between what I had heard about the show and mm-hmm. even like visually how it looks. Yeah, and like how painfully bad the writing is. <sighs> oh, I, I mean, hate it. I... It's so just repetitive. It's like if we just are repetitive, um, that's a joke. Then it's yeah. like. Yeah, and everyone loves her. She can do no wrong. Everyone instantly thinks she's a genius. She doesn't really have that she, many problems or, no. like, obstacles, hurdles or whatever. No, but then somehow she's just, like, this fabulous figure. Like, I... With an endless wardrobe, which normally I would applaud, but in this oh, show, it irks me. I don't know why. It's very irksome. Yeah. And, you know, I couldn't figure out. I was like, why is this character so deeply annoying? And then I learned that the head writer is this really, really annoying woman on the internet who's, like, one of those crazy, like, I love being a centrist liberal and, like, Nancy Pelosi, Uber Alice, like, the no. head writer. I think she's the head writer. She's one of the main writers. Jen Kirkman is, like, totally oh, okay. off the deep end. Oh, okay. I've, I've heard of being, the name. like, cuckoo okay. online. Right. Like, she's too, she needs to log off 
No. And it makes me sad because Tony Shalhoub's character, it just, like, kind of, like, stomps around and is angry and just, like, no. disapproving. And, like, it's just... Ugh. Give him more to do. My first one, <laughs> I just wrote, I've never seen one single second of Pee-wee's Playhouse. Full stop. <laughs> I've never... I've just never seen... I'm aware of it as... Yeah. It's a thing that exists. I know he's, like, um, a wacky guy in a little suit. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't know anything else. And I, I everyone, can't you're looking at me to explain. <laughs> like, explain this. Uh, <laughs> well, this I'm... Yeah, so I'm aware of it. I know certain words, like, large marge. Like, is that part of that? I don't know. Um, so as a kid, I just thought he was a little creepy, and I didn't like it. Well, and, I mean... Well, um, well, I think he did get a little bit of a bad rap, yeah. because didn't he just, like, jerk off in a porn theater? Yeah, like, it's like, like, it was that's like no big like deal. he, like, was like a public himself. Yeah. yeah, he wasn't, like, hanging out on an elementary school playground or anything. Like, yeah. he was pretty minor. Yeah, so that even, that yeah. doesn't bug me. Um, but... Wait, so have I you just, seen Pee-Bee's Big Adventure? I've never seen anything. Oh, interesting. I've never seen anything that, in I that mean, universe. if it doesn't... At this point, uh, if it If you don't have, like, a, this, like, warm, nostalgic childhood memory, I feel like there's no... I don't think yeah. you're going to call it back up. You're going to be like, yeah. this is not funny to me at all. Yeah. And I have no... Like, there's, it's not calling anything from the memory palace. You're just yeah. like, who is this strange man in a bow tie? Yep. So, I think I it's think too late for me on that. I that. <laughs> Confession. Um, <laughs> Um, another one for me is the movie Predator, which I think a lot of people like. Is just like, oh, it's a fun action movie. So I could see a lot of like film snobs um, sticking up their noses at it, and I could see a lot of like, um, kind of sorry, like dumb action people, whatever, really be into it. Sorry, like a lot of bros. Yeah. But honestly, I think it is a true masterpiece. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like I've seen it just you know on my laptop before, and I was like, oh, this is great. This what a, what a fun movie. Um, and then I saw it in theaters, and it, like, changed my brain. And so it was also – it was directed by uh, John McTiernan, the guy that did Die Hard. And it stars Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, a lot of people. I don't know, Jesse Ventura and uh, Carl Weathers, I think. And so it's basically a bunch of, like, beefy guys in the jungle. I can't remember. They're on a mission. And just the way that um, – they use the space of the jungle. Everything's kind of like homogenous, but somehow they create this um, the space and you know where every everyone is mm-hmm. at every moment. I don't. I think that's actually really hard to do. I would imagine in like uh, the setting of a jungle, um, it kind of is as like a structure of a western. It's pretty straightforward. Oh, I love it. It's sort of like a gloriously simple plot. Yeah. Um, and they're just trying to kill like this right. uh, the predator. I mean the eponymous predator. I think the special effects are utilized really masterfully, which a lot of, obviously, special effects in the 80s are laughable. I think they hold up. And I think uh, instead of having that third act um, lag like a lot of action movies, uh, I think, like, just Arnold, like, smearing, like, mud all over himself, trying to, like, camouflage in the jungle and Mm -hmm. trying to set up a trap for the predator. Pretty much no dialogue is really incredible. So see it in theaters if you can, because I think it will really change your... Uh, prejudice about the film and maybe about 80s action films in general. Today we're talking about movies that depict visions of the future. So that could mean futurism, speculative fiction, dystopia utopia meaning trash can fires and the dystopia you know <laughs> like, that's escape, a whole subgenre from la Just i'm not talking about fire. escape from new york or la but um it could be like last person on earth i mean yeah. it could even be epidemic movies 
uh, Mad Max, people running wow, around the desert. Wow, you're just hearing so many genres no, I no, didn't no. even consider. Like, really? Okay, I'm like, technology. I'm just yeah. saying, like, when you think about the future, it could yeah. be, like, this dystopian, like, we have no technology anymore. Yeah. Or we have, it's Hyper only technology. technology, yeah. Um, or there's five people it. on Earth, or there's, like, 30 billion people on Earth. I mean, yeah. it could just, I'm just saying, it's, the we future, have to widen it here. Yeah. The future is unwritten, and... Clearly, everyone is just trying to fill in those gaps, and I really have no theme at all for mine. Okay. (laughs) I'm all over the map here. Yeah, we're all over the map. Well, what did you find on your journey? (laughs) Okay, so I, like I said, I went real deep into Soviet sci-fi, which I'll probably pull out those. I watched some really great films that I just can't really talk about in this context, so I kind of pulled together a list of some... Movies about the future that I found intriguing, tolerable, <laughs> yeah. not totally devastating, yeah. because not children of men, basically. Yeah. And these don't have to be, like, faves. They're just, like, here's what we yeah. found. Here's some There's notable, some... interesting oh, things yeah. we found. Oh, yeah, and one of these is deeply not a favorite, and I will make that <laughs> okay. very clear. Yeah. No, don't want anyone to think <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, so my first thought, I'm going in reverse chronological order, is Janelle Monae's 2018 emotion picture, as she called it. It's her visual album dirty computer in the earlier in the 2000s she adopted this persona of cindy mayweather who was an android for her albums the arc android electric lady and then in dirty computer the whole thing it's kind of like this cautionary tale about uh uniformity and sameness and the idea is that people started thinking of themselves in this sort of Um, hygienic dystopian future as computers and if you weren't if you didn't think or live or love or act like everyone else you were like a dirty computer that needed to be cleaned and so you would be wiped like anything unique about you would be wiped so the whole visual album is just her and her group of friends who are like extremely cool looking with like leather jackets Mm -hmm. and like hot looks and like love and rock music (laughs) and sexy clubs and you know Monet is a pansexual person so you know they have more fluid gender relationships and all of that is kind of poised against this like evil state that wants to like clear their minds and make them into these like human robots they basically like have humans who emulate robots she uh, produced it, and then let me think. The directors are Andrew Dinoho and Chuck Lightning, and then there's some music video portions directed by Alan Ferguson, Emma Westenberg. So all the sort of songs flow together, um, and it's just kind of this. It is actually there's a full story arc that she manages, so it's kind of like a musical. Ooh, I'm listening. I, this is this is like 2019, I guess, is me being friendly to musicals. <laughs> yeah. The whole new Meg. Yeah. So, I mean, you can watch it, the full thing on YouTube. It's about an hour, so it's like a short yeah. film, but it's it's a fun watch. There's, I mean, Tessa Thompson is like the ideal, like, mm. sexy video yeah. vixen. So, just for that alone. Yeah. Well, um, let me just move ahead on my list so I can talk about uh, Space is the Place, 1974. Uh, it's a movie about Sun Ra and his whole oh. ethos, uh, directed by John Coney. But uh, most of the people, like including him, I couldn't find anything else on their resume, so it must have been like a labor of love, yeah, uh, kind of thing, kind of a low budge thing. Um, so I wanted to do something about um, Afrofuturism, and this was just like my entry point because I was like, oh, Sun Ra, that's like his whole jam. Mm-hmm. Um, so I. Um, 
I would uh, say that this is 70s black exploitation meets Janelle Monet mm. with a dash of Black Panther. So basically, Sun Ra plays a space age prophet, so himself, basically. <laughs> And he wins the right to play a concert, and despite an, an assassination attempt, he is able to fulfill his mission to teleport his followers um, off of the planet Earth before it explodes. Spoiler. So, uh, I it was pretty low budge, so I wouldn't say this is a recommendation, but I, uh, and I'm not even saying this is the best entry point. This is just the where I found myself. So I, there was, the art direction, the costumes were amazing. I could tell there was like a lot of love in this. It borders on porn in a couple of places oh, yeah. and kind of problematic. <laughs> uh, like um, what I call actually porn logic where it's like, we need these women to take off their clothes now. So we're just going to kind of like massage the script to where it's important. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, it's not really... It's just shouldn't. very warm in here. And yeah, these yeah, robes you know are I mean? just too hot. <laughs> like, it's really important for our mission or something. You know what yeah. I mean? I can't really we understand. We repopulate the <laughs> Yeah, so I, I, I don't know if I've coined the term, but I call that porn logic, where yeah. it's like, we want women to take their clothes off here. How can we... Yeah, how can we do ...kind this? of retro-engineer that? Yeah. But uh, I think maybe film journalist Ashley Clark of The Guardian summed it up best when he said the film is a brilliant and bizarre melange of comedy, musical performance, and occasionally lurid black exploitation aesthetics. Um, it also crucially has a number of serious points to make about the plight of young uh, urban blacks in a harsh post-civil rights climate. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's on YouTube. Check it out. It's fun. I mean, like, like I said, the art direction alone is is worth the price of admission, yeah. which is zero because it's on YouTube. Hey! So, yeah. Free 99. <laughs> yeah. Free 99? I haven't heard that. That's my price. I like it. <laughs> yeah. So my next one, I actually am probably uniquely unqualified to talk about. <laughs> I mean, and, yeah. I just no, about like, wrong, so I mean, come actually, on. <laughs> um, it really, I probably, I wish that Hannah, our guest from episode eight, eight was here because I have actually never really played video games per se. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, I think a lot of the references in this movie were lost on me, but I really love it anyway. Cronenberg's 1999 film Existence. Ooh, I just watched that actually. Oh, you did? Yeah, oh, great. This. So then we just t- right before. Okay, oh, so sorry, then sorry, you sorry. can, t- yeah, then you can talk yeah, to me about, okay. about it. Uh, actually, a film I might remember because I saw it like <laughs> exactly. a week ago. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> uh, so Jude Law is like this sort of like PR nerd and he's like new to the world. He's basically me. He's like, I don't know anything about this. What are you people doing? Um, and his responsibility is to keep Jennifer Jason Lee like safe mm-hmm. from this kind of like shadowy group of like anti-gamer <laughs> zealots that want to have like a like a price on her head Is and like gamergate <laughs> yeah well i guess so actually i guess cronenberg got the idea for existence after he interviewed salman rushdie in 95 oh, when rushdie was under that. a fatwa yeah mm-hmm. for writing the satanic verses so he did kind of get the mm. idea from like this late modernist kind of uh crusade yeah. thing it's got a lot of the body horror stuff yeah. going on because it's like <laughs> I think in Video Dream he called it like the new flesh and it's like these existence is like these prototype game consoles for what Jennifer Jason Lee Jennifer Jason Lee's character has designed where they're like skin sort of things you have yeah. to like touch and massage mm, and yeah, maneuver tweak these, tweak these <laughs> things yeah and then even to play the game or to get into the game. Uh, you have to have, like, this port 
like inserted into your body yeah like you have to like plug in yeah basically which i kind of like that you know the straight man has to be penetrated and I'm yeah like, I like he's that. like uncomfortable with yeah. it and it's willem dafoe i think doing it am i crazy oh, yeah, yeah he's right. the guy that has mm. to do it to him i do feel like there's a lot about sort of like these like erotic extensions of your body and gaming in the virtual sort of world i sound a hundred years old right now <laughs> apparently the kids are <laughs> i know i'm like i don't know but i feel yeah. like it really was yeah like he clearly was familiar with that culture i think because you know watching it in more recent times like it feels very fresh still like mm-hmm. with a lot of the theory and yeah. i don't know i I basically am like tooth gun. There's a tooth gun. Like when like the anti gaming oh, yeah. zone has like oh, that, that. Tooth, yeah. Like yeah. And there's just a lot of that like funny like Cronenberg kind of stuff. But I do like that they're kind of going through this game space where reality is sort mm-hmm. of blended. And I mean yeah. the internet is even more like integrated into our lives and more inseparable from our lives now. So I did like that aspect of it, even though I'm like a little wee babe. Chinese Restaurant in the forest? Is that what it was? I oh, love that. It's just like yeah, a phrase. The Chinese right. restaurant in the forest. Yeah. That needs to be a, I don't know, a band or Absolutely. something. Absolutely. And it's, it's a such name. a mood too. Yeah, mm-hmm. when they're there. It's a rarity to have a movie where it's like technology is more human and more fleshy. Yeah. Um, so I think that's interesting. Instead of being like more like square yeah, people and silvery. Become, yeah, and, like the Borg. Yeah. Speaking of Star Trek. Yeah. yeah. But it, it kind of humanizes and like embodies like there's an imbo- real embodiment of technology, mm-hmm. which is super weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, mostly the freaky tooth gun is what I'm <laughs> like, just a tooth gun. I'm just a tooth gun. <laughs> okay. I don't know if if any of you guys noticed this, but two years ago, apparently, uh, there was a dystopia, because this is set in 2017, <laughs> so I'm just letting you know. I don't know if you noticed yeah, if, this world that was oh, happening really? in our world. So, so the, the movie is Cherry 2000. It's uh, made in 1987. Director uh, Steve DeJarnette. Uh, is, so it's a U.S. film. So it's basically Mad Max Fury Road meets Blade Runner 2049 meets some kind of wonderful. So Ooh, I know. Intriguing. So, I'm intrigued. In the year 2017. What? If you can even imagine that far in the future. That we can make it that far. Yeah. Well, it's debatable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it is a crazy dystopia of... Uh, recycling and sexual consent. Uh, no, honestly, there's a scene like in a nightclub where it's like you got your lawyer, like so. It's kind of like a this is PC gone crazy. Oh, it's like boy. two people. They you know they're like, all right, let's go home tonight. Let's get our lawyers and figure out a contract. Which I'm also like, so can you get out of that contract once you're? Yeah, in the... that's anyway. A question. So it could kind of go either way on yeah. like, is this good or is this creepy? You know. Yeah. So. Kind of like, I don't know if you've seen Blade Runner uh, 2049, but kind of like Ryan Gosling's uh, character's partner in that movie. She's, you know, she's like a hologram and she's there like, hey, honey, I'm home, you know, and and uh, she's like this AI. So basically this guy has a robot, um, which is kind of a common thing to have mm-hmm. like a robot wife or a robot partner. Um, so she, her model is called Cherry 2000. And so she breaks down while they're having vigorous sex uh, because like, the, I don't know, there's like the... Dishwasher explodes, there's soap everywhere, they're fucking, and oh no, she breaks down. And she's apparently like a really rare, uh, oh, very, you know, yeah, yeah, she's like <laughs> a collector's item, a collector's <laughs> item kind of thing. So he has to venture into the Mad Max style desert oh. to, because uh, I guess there's some warehouse or something, who cares, yeah. um, to find that model. And so he enlists the help of uh, this tracker played by um, Melanie Griffith, 
So this is the era between Something Wild and Working Girl, just so you can mm-hmm. get an idea in yeah. your head. And also in the mix is this other tracker played by this fixture of old westerns. Sorry, I keep mentioning westerns. Um, uh, ben Johnson. And so, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Just there yeah. in the desert, trying to find this. Uh, they just have a lot of, you know, a lot of hijinks and a lot of, uh, I don't know, it's, it's the desert. So, yeah. which I was like. Why are all these dystopian movies set in the desert? And then James was just like, "Oh, it's low budget. It's like you can instead oh. of being in a city and you have to block off like blocks for traffic, oh, it's you know, just and like switch out, out cars. In... You're just out in the California desert or whatever." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, that actually makes a lot of sense." That does make sense. So I was looking on the resume of uh, of the collaborators on this film. So the director uh, Steve de Jarnet or uh, Jarnet or something also directed Miracle Mile, which is another great uh, apocalyptic film from 1988. That I've seen and actually it's pretty good. It's I think it's got like Anthony, Anthony Edwards. Is that yeah, the guy from, from ER? ER? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I actually enjoy that movie. It's pretty bleak, uh, but it's good. Also, the director co-wrote Strange Brew, the oh, SCTV. You know, yeah. like which I didn't think I'd like that, and I actually really did. Yeah. I was just like, have you? Yeah, okay. yeah. I know. I was like, I was really surprised. I thought, oh, this is like this won't be my thing. This will be real goofy. I really liked really it. Good. Anyway, um, the cinematographer Jacques. Uh, Hitkin um, also did Nightmare on Elm Street 1 and 2. And uh, the editor, uh, Dwayne Dunham, uh, also worked on Blue Velvet, Wild at Heart, and Twin Peaks. Oh. And I think he might have edited the uh, pilot episode of Twin, uh, Twin Peaks, the original pilot. Oh, really? So, I don't know. Just saying, so if you like those, those chops, yeah. uh, like that resume, maybe check it out. I, you know, I've seen stills from that this movie from it's 2000. Great, it gives good but stills. It, it, gives, it gives great good stills. stills. That's hard to say. <laughs> but yeah, I've never stuff. actually seen it. Yeah, so. it's it's definitely just on the fun, like, kind of goofier right. side yeah. of things. Well, yeah, once you're like, a uh, bounty hunter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or yeah. whatever, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I, yeah. So I mentioned that I don't really like dystopian movies mostly because the film that plays in my own mind like my apocalyptic <laughs> visions are far worse than anything i've ever seen on film uh there's a so, trash can fire outside right yeah, now exactly like i my mind palace has plenty of those in there there's no need to export that so this film a visitor to the museum 1989 directed by Konstantin lopushansky it is a very late Soviet uh, dystopian movie, and basically it takes place in this post-apocalyptic world after this vague ecological disaster in which a large part of the population has been turned into, like, degenerates and mutants, and they are being kept in reservations. Mm. In this in this hell world, that's like basically, I'm like, did they film this at some like dump in Siberia? Because it's just like it's just like Aww. huge mountains of like old tires on fire, oh. and then there's like every building they have like these fires in the windows to keep out like the quote mutants. It's there's so much fire. It's so Soviet. Um, there's so much fire and like burning rubber. You can like yeah. smell how dirty it is. Mm. And this guy um, decides to take a vacation through this world to visit the ruins of a museum that's buried under the sea that can only be accessed during this low tide. Like the tides are like a week. So it's like, you have like, you have three days to walk out of the museum and three days to walk (gasps) back. But like, spoiler, he does not make it to this goddamn museum. Honestly, this movie, I would not recommend. Mm. I was surprised when I was looking online after I saw it, I was like, this movie is really weird. Hmm. And I mean, to be clear, like I've seen a lot of, really freaky Soviet movies, but this movie was 
pretty problematic in the sense that they're like, we have the majority of the population are these degenerates or these mutants. And they show them and they hired a bunch of developmentally disabled people to play like these crowds of like quote mutants that they were keeping on reservations that are just all like, it's really, really fucking weird. And they have like this religion that they've invented that the main character is sort of like interested in and it just it comes across really poorly and i was shocked that nobody mentions this like no people really huh. like this film and no one was as taken aback as i was that hmm. it's like i get that it was 1989 the soviet union like they did not uh, anyway there's a lot of weird things about soviet <laughs> union how they treated people with disabilities but uh that no one mentioned but no one mentions it, it now yeah. who's watched it now because it's just like everyone's in the dark and like their prayer is like, get me out, let me oh, out of here. No. Me. It's just really oh. weird. And then the last 20 minutes is just him, like, I mean, literally last 20 minutes, it's yeah. just him wandering in this like barren desert seafloor to get to this museum, which he doesn't get to. So oh. there's just nothing to recommend it, frankly. Oh. Well, that's what, I mean, that's fine though. Like, that's what we do here is yeah. like, we're laying ourselves bare. We're like, totally. these are things that we've found on our journey and I think you know. the premise is interesting. There are some interesting things in there. Like there are, I think you know, is what's more frustrating sometimes about a movie that disappoints you is that there's kernels in there. There's that so can much make good it stuff, like good. the look of it, or yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think there is an element that's interesting where you know, one thing I think is realistic is that there are still people that are living and like you know reading the papers and like having these intellectual conversations, and so. It's not like everyone is just like, you know, rummaging for scraps in the dumpster mm-hmm. heaps. Yeah. <laughs> They're living their life and just being like, well, what do you expect us to do? Like, we couldn't stop the factories. We couldn't stop experiments. Like, we just had to keep living and life just gets progressively worse. Like, yeah. that rang very true to oh, me. Boy. I think that's what's actually yeah. going to happen. But in terms of the way that it was actually, like, produced, I was like, hmm. this is not yeah. a... And I mean, boy, that last 20 minutes. It really, like, Joel was like, I can't believe <laughs> this is bad still now going. I want to watch it. You're like, don't watch I'm like, oh. You're like, but I kind of want to. I want to, like, know what you went through. Does that make yeah. any sense? Yeah. I mean, like I said, there's some interesting philosophical stuff in the beginning. And then it just is like, oh, what am I doing to myself? Yeah. That's yeah. rough. Well, that's a perfect segue into uh, The Ugly Swans. Because it's the same director, yeah. Konstantin uh, Lepushansky. Meg, I wanted to impress you. I wanted to watch a Russian <laughs> film. No, I love them already. You know, Stalker and Solaris. Yeah. And I guess he was a disciple of yeah. um, of Tarkovsky, I believe. And so I was, as I was looking at the list, I saw Visitor of a Museum and Letters of a Dead Man or Dead Man's Letters. I've yeah. seen a couple of variations on that. So, um, and I think Ugly Swans, uh, in town there's um, a film, I don't know what you call it, Society or whatever, uh, Church of Film, and I noticed they played it. So I was like, okay, you know, uh, kind of seems like it might be up my alley. So it's from 2006, um, and full disclosure, because this show isn't just like, hey, we know it all, and everything we uh, recommend is, I mean, is a recommendation, you know, yeah. everything we talk about is a recommendation. Sometimes we, you know, we'll talk about like, here's my journey. Yeah. We're, we're very transparent. So full disclosure, I desperately wanted to see this. They didn't have it at our, I mean, the one uh, video store in the world that still exists, Movie Madness, uh, couldn't find it online. Um, so I did find it with Czech subtitles, so I watched it, I loved the <laughs> visuals, I was trying to follow along, I don't know 100% of the subtleties of the philosophy, so hey, I'm sorry if it's problematic, so, I mean, like, the cinematography was beautiful, I was looking at the resume of everyone that worked on it, and it kind of looked like maybe they were, like, newer to the industry, so maybe he oh, purposefully got some people that were kind yeah. of, like, just kind of coming up in the world, uh, because they hadn't really made anything 
of note that I recognized. Um, they made some things more in like recent years. But I would say basically it is, uh, the, the synopsis is a writer travels to a small town where humanoid-like mutants, again, mutants, yeah, um, but these are, it. I mean, just guys and like, with right. kinds See, of, like, why not just do that? Oh. Yeah, no, this was actually pretty, like, creepy. Well, it was six versus, yeah. Yeah, so this was actually pretty elegantly done as far as, like, it almost, sorry, it almost looked like a human face, but, like, the skin had kind of melted and mm-hmm. kind of, like, this sort of um, nondescript, you couldn't see eyes, yeah. you could just see, like, a humanoid face. The mutants take over this boarding school in this small town, and they're teaching the kids their, like, supernatural ways, maybe, like, levitation and such, <laughs> which actually, like, it's like, again, some of the CGI that I can actually get behind, it was used very well. Ooh. So the town's evacuated. There's, like, this supernatural uh, rain, so there's, like, a lot of flooding. There's this, like, red light. Everything's kind of, like cloaked in this like red light that you're not sure where it comes from i'm not sure where it's coming from maybe (laughs) maybe it's explained explained very well in the movie but i don't know um sorry some of this like half of this is my observations half is like wikipedia imdb uh letterboxd uh please explain it so the government wants to destroy the the school or like the whole town the the writer is trying to figure out what's going on and his daughter is also part of the the boarding school like she's there Mm. and so he's trying to get her out or trying to figure out what's going on I need to watch it for real because I'm not sure about the ending because, again, it's like you already have this, like, Russian, like, sci-fi obfuscated ending and then you add not being able to read <laughs> not, Yeah, and it's like... And you're like, well, I don't know. It's a real mystery. <laughs> just like removed up. from the meaning. Exactly. So, um, but it, 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 like, I was very curious, like, as far as it's beautifully made and from what I can gather online, it's got an interesting uh, theme. And, oh, yeah, and the writer of it, so it's based on the book by the... um. Again, you'll have to correct me here. Strugatsky Brothers? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, who uh, also were credited with writing Stalker, Hard to Be a God, and The Dead Mountaineer Hotel, hey, which I've talked about before. We just so, keep coming back around. I know. To that. So I'm like, why have I not been reading these books? Because yeah. apparently these guys, which is weird to be like, the brothers. Two brothers writing a book. I don't know how that happens. Like, oh, brother. you know, Fraser and Fraser tried to oh, do that I know. early in an early season. See how that turned yeah, out. Exactly. Anyway, <laughs> but um, so their whole vibe is right up my alley. So I'm definitely gonna check yeah. out those books. So yeah, I don't know. Well, that actually segues really nicely into my next film, which is based on a Stanislaw Lem story. Stanislaw Lem also wrote Solaris. Oh, so that's oh all connected. Um, yeah, so Pilot Pierce's Inquest. It's a joint Soviet-Polish film directed by Mark Piestrak. Uh, it's from 1979. It has some, you know, it really does have some Solaris vibes. It's basically about a rocket pilot uh, with the last name Pierce who is hired to go on a mission to evaluate some non-linears, which <laughs> non-linears are robots who look exactly like humans, but they're supposed to be like even more perfect. And these non-linears are being assessed by various countries uh, for use as crew members on future space flights. So basically the idea is they would replace manned Mm. space flights. And the United Nations is a little bit apprehensive about these robots, these non-linears. So they have this trustworthy guy. In that inspector. (laughs) He's like, it's like pilot. I'm trying to think of what he's like. He's like a captain, like Mm -hmm. Captain Pierce. And he is going to be the commander of the flight. And the whole crew is like half humans and half mm-hmm. nonlinears. But he 
they're not going to tell him which is which. So he has to, like, assess their performance. But then oh. immediately he, like, he agrees to do it. But he becomes obsessed with, like, which like, which ones are, like, yeah. real, which ones aren't. Mm. Because, yeah, there's a whole, like, it's interesting because it is, you know, uh, from socialist countries. So the people who make the robots are, like, these evil Western corporations that, like, try mm-hmm. to murder him because they think he's going to be too honest and, like, yeah. not let their product get away. And then mm-hmm. there's also a funny scene where I think he orders a beer at a McDonald's. That's what it looks like. And I'm like, oh, is this, like, the Polish director being like, that seems right. That's McDonald's. It. I haven't checked it. I didn't do the research, <laughs> seems, but that's the thing, right? Seems chill. Yeah. <laughs> and so they, basically this crew of half robots, half humans with Pierre's goes on this mission and then like this disaster happens and there's like an inquest to figure out like what really happened like, did the robots uh, do something like was it like human error and oh um it's really it's I'm really totally good oh that. it's so good and it's just all about like it's interesting because basically it's like what makes us human is more and is in a sense kind of like the like the cl- the key to why pilot pierce kind of um succeeds in the film so mm. Yeah, it's a it's a real it's a real treat. If you like Solaris, I would say it's right. up the same alley. Oh, I forgot to mention my genius. Um, the Ugly Swans is Village of the Dam meets Firestarter meets Stalker, set in the X Men School for Mutants. Sorry, I just <laughs> had to, I just had, had to put that, that in there. I had to just, put that in there. Just had to, yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't um, even think about Legion. That's like a that's like a TV show. Oh, that's oh like yeah. kind of mm-hmm. futury, maybe. Who yeah. knows? Or it's in the, the past. Alternate timeline. We really can't tell. <laughs> So, um, well, yeah, then I'll segue into also in the, the sort of Soviet block of things, uh, A Time of Roses, 1969, a Finnish film directed by, uh, oh, yeah, maybe you can help me with this. It looks like Risto Jarva. Would it be Jarva? Risto oh, Jarva? I don't know Finnish at all. Oh, I mean, I'm assuming in the <laughs> in that area of the world, it's usually yeah, like a J is it's a It's usually y. like a yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, sure. So let's say Risto Jarva, but uh, it's spelled Jarva. If you're looking it up. So this is, uh, sorry, I'm being so reductive with these, like, it's this meets this. But, yeah. hey, you know. Uh, it's, Gotta phrase you know, it some way. Yeah. Where would you categorize it? Yeah, how do you catch the... this? Yeah, yeah, so it's broad. And also, I chose three movies that no one's probably seen, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's Broadcast News meets Who Are You, Polly Magoo, meets The Risky Point. Oh, so, God. You're well, like, what that the is, fuck is this? What an illustration. You know, everyone what a, knows those. What uh, a mood. Yeah, so it's all over the shop. But anyway. So, um, again, I don't know if you noticed this happening in the year 2011, but in the year 2011, you might remember um, a a historian uh, who's, I guess, also like a television presenter or maybe like a a TV, like documentarian. He's researching a glamour model from the early 1970s and finds her doppelganger in the present. You love those Um, doppelgangers. I love a good (laughs) doppelganger. Okay. So, um, so she's actually like this like young pro-labor revolutionary and he's kind of like a shill for the state. Yeah. It's the first feature length sci-fi film released in Finland. The, the film kind of actually foresaw a few things. So I, I was like surprised because usually futuristic films are way off. Yeah. It actually kind of foresaw the internet, uh, FaceTime, fake news, which I guess was kind of always around. Yeah. But anyway, and um, iPod parties. There's this bit where they're at a, like a club, I think, and they have like the giant headphones on and they're like listening to music and they're dancing and everyone has headphones Whoa. on. I was like, that's kind of crazy. It's like a silent rave. Yeah, exactly. Though it did assume that we would all have inflatable furniture and cryogenic freezing, oh. so, you know, but it's a fun Speak future. for yourself. <laughs> hey. Uh, 
actually the the ending is pretty great because he's like well after he makes his documentary about the like this glamour model and like oh i reenacted it with so basically the whole thing is he reenacts it with this this girl this doppelganger that he finds and she's trying to kind of do her like pro-labor revolutionary thing mm-hmm. uh in the meantime and because i guess all these like strikes are happening but they're like oh in this future there aren't strikes everything's fine you know Anyway, so um, in the end, there's like this reenactment. He makes this documentary. It's kind of this complicated, convoluted thing. But it, I just love it as far as the inflatable furniture. At the last scene, he's kind of drunk. Like, I made this documentary. It aired. It's great. Whatever. I did a great job. And he has this, like, brooch on. And he, like, um, lays down on some of his inflatable furniture. And it, like, pierces it. And it's like, <laughs> and so I just, Classic. Like, I just was like, it sounds pretty goofy. No, um, but I'm actually, into no, it. It was like, pretty great that the whole time. I'm like, there's so much inflatable furniture i was like what's gonna happen it is bachelor pad it's like Chekhov's gun where you're like (laughs) so at some point someone's gonna pierce that inflatable (laughs) furniture um so uh as far as the uh director russo yarva he was part of the finnish new wave so he made loads of like documentary shorts and he seemed to actually make a lot of films that were pretty like pro-labor feminist and I couldn't find any information about any of these yeah. shorts. Like, literally, like, not even a synopsis. Wow. So, um, anyway, but a film he um, made called uh, When the Heavens Fall. It's about, uh, sorry, I guess some of these I'm like, okay, this sounds interesting. When a psychotherapist's life is wrecked, when her uh, her private life is exposed in a sensation magazine. And I'm like, oh, it's a sensation magazine. So, anyway, so I need to check that out. And then his uh, his last film was called The Last Hair in 1977. And unfortunately, he died in a car accident on his way back from a private VIP showing of that film. Oh, so damn. he died kind of young. But um, as I was like on IMDb, you know, it would be like, here are six other films similar. Mm-hmm. They seem There seem to be like a lot of interesting things. So I want to explore more Finnish yeah. films. So it inspired me to do that. But it was a fun, interesting vision of yeah, the future. Totally. Uh, very mod, uh, black oh, and white. Yeah. And so it's it's definitely worth a watch. And I think it was on YouTube as well. Interesting. Okay. Well, you mentioned that was, that A Time of Roses was the first Finnish sci-fi, future mm-hmm. sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. So my last one is the first Soviet science fiction movie. Just Ooh. connections everywhere. Ooh. We're in the, we're in the <laughs> Matrix. <laughs> So, Elita, Queen of Mars, directed by Yakov Protazanov. It's from 1924. It is a silent film, so that's just a heads up if you're like me and often are like, I need talkies. <laughs> um, it is actually one of the first full-length films about space travel. Hmm. This Basically, I mean, you don't really need to know. The plot is basically like there's this engineer who like hears a broadcast from this like alien and (laughs) is drawn to it and there's this whole convoluted plot but the main thing you need to know is that there's these really elaborate futurist and constructivist sets and costumes that are Mm. set on mars Um, i've seen pictures yeah and so the set design and costumes were by the artists alexandra exter and isaac rabinovich so they were both sculptors and artists in their own right Mm -hmm. so i mean let me just tell you, like, looking at this film being made in the early 20s, I'm like, this is deeply expensive for the Soviet <laughs> yeah, Union at the time. Yeah. Like, it was like, wow, huh. really something. So it is loosely based on a novel by Alexei Tolstoy, who was a novelist and a recently returned emigre, who was nicknamed the Comrade Count, because he was, like, <laughs> down for the cause, and he actually was, like, a really loyal party man, but his family was quite aristocratic. He was hmm. a distant relative of Tolstoy, like, Leo Tolstoy yeah. and Turgenev. So huh. he was one, um, one of the ones who returned in the 20s and huh. um, wrote this novel. And then they made this, like, mm. very interesting. Con- it's very, like, constructivist. And the idea, I think, was to show people, like, 
whoa, like, look at, like, our new technology. Like, we mm. can make these crazy films yeah. in this beautiful new society. Yeah. So, yeah, it's um, it's on Canopy, I believe. Okay. It seems worthwhile. Like, if you liked Metropolis, like, this has the same vibe. So speaking of Canopy, um, this is also available on Canopy. I always want to say Canopy, by the way. Canopy. Canopy. I need to get the fresher up just a yeah. little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just a little nibble. Um, so it's The Quiet Earth from 1985, New Zealand film by uh, Jeff Murphy. And I guess it's Jeff. It's G-E-O-F-F. Yeah. I guess, right? It's yeah. not like Joff. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like Joffrey. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So it's kind of Omega Man meets Knife in the Water meets potentially a Jacob's Ladder scenario. I'm not sure exactly. It's kind of contended. A nuclear scientist wakes up to find he's the last man in New Zealand, possibly the world. And um, the secret American government project he was working on is maybe the cause of everyone on Earth uh, being done disappeared. And um, so it's kind of like toes that line of like a little bit of like a Groundhog's Day for a while where he's just kind of dealing with I'm the last man on earth I'm the king of the world or like I'm super depressed but also I can do anything I want so um he eventually finds two survivors and sort of like a love triangle ensues Mm. and um and they figure out why the three of uh, of them survived? Like, there's like definitely a thread, which uh, I don't want to give away. So there, yeah. there's a reason. Just specifically, the three of them survived, and then they also find out that another nuclear event is going to happen, and so they try to prevent it. And the like I said, the ending is very open to interpretation, and I don't want to spoil it here. Definitely worth a watch. I will say uh, that the lead uh, guy, Bruno Lawrence, I think is his name. It looks a lot like the lead in Tarkovsky's Stalker. So I just thought that was interesting. I mean, it's unrelated. I I just thought, like, I noticed that the whole time. And, oh, yeah, and it's New Zealand's first sci-fi film. So we got a lot of firsts here. A lot of first sci-fi films here. Uh, Director Jeff Murphy, um, who actually died just a couple of months ago. It was kind of crazy. I didn't hear anything about that. Um, I thought it was great that I was looking up his resume, and he worked with loads of um, Maori actors, so um, like the indigenous people of New Zealand, and it looks like uh, Maori, but apparently I think it's pronounced Maori, so if I'm incorrect, I'm sorry, but that's what I've heard. So his other films are uh, semi-famously, like Free Jack, which is supposed to be kind of like a piece of trash, um, (laughs) that uh, How Did This Get Made, the podcast Skewered, Uh, it's from 1992. He also made Young Guns 2, which James mm. was very surprised by somehow, oh. very excited about. I was like, never seen it. It's from 1990. Uh, it's a Western, so, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, enough said. Oh, oh, not on my radar. <laughs> yeah. But he made a couple of films with um, uh, about Maori culture and legends. So, uh, Utu, uh, 1983, is a Maori revenge film, which I can get behind. Yeah, so anyway, the, but basically The Quiet Earth, it's a great film. Uh, yeah. It's not goofy. It's not really... It's not bleak in that really right, uh, yeah. kind of way. Not people <laughs> rummaging and yeah. Dumps. There's not a lot of du- yeah, the, not a lot of dumpster fires, and it's on canopy. I'm gonna, so ooh, I'm gonna watch yeah. this weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll really like it. I think. Cool. All right, so Meg. Um, we both love to pitch films. Yes. It's been hard for us to come up with a, just <sighs> a really pithy yeah. name for the segment. 
and I'm sure no one cares, but it's important for us <laughs> that we, we, we've got something, you know, something mission. down. Yeah. So I think I found an elegant solution. Okay. So, you know, when, um, like there's working titles for films mm-hmm. or if they're shipping a, a film, especially if it's like a really like, big budget blockbuster uh, film, they'll put in like an alternate title on it. That's mm-hmm. like, um. Uh, something to fool people, you know, so they won't steal it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. And so, with that in mind, of like, okay, it's just an alternate title, working title. I thought maybe week, or episode to episode, I would, as I'm going down the rabbit hole finding weird things, I would come up with sort of a placeholder working title every week if I find something kind of maybe inadvertently sexy or weird or something. Yeah. That's kind of like a working title. Like, this is like what would be on the canister of, you know, assuming these pitches are going to be made. Right. So... All that long story okay, involved. I'm yes. just like, hey, let's just, until we think of something good, here's what we should do as a working title. So this week, I saw that the lead in The Quiet Earth, Bruno Lawrence, is also in a film about a guy that's into motor racing, and he owns a junkyard, and he sort of kidnaps his own daughter. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, but anyway. Yeah, <laughs> um, it has an inadvertently provocative title of Smash Palace. <laughs> which okay. uh, James and I had a lot of fun riffing on. Yeah. We should call our bedroom that. Anyways, <laughs> but... <laughs> so, hey, say, um, so I thought we could either be like, the pitching hour, colon, Smash Palace, Smash or just Palace. Okay. Smash Palace. Okay. So if that makes any sense at all. I mean, we'll find out. <laughs> well, just like, you know, it doesn't have to deal with the movie. This is just like, yeah. obviously, it's this is going to be a tape. It's on it's the like masking on tape. The, yeah. So they don't know the goods that are inside. They yeah. don't steal. Right. This, obviously, it's 35 millimeters <laughs> film. Yeah. Yeah, it's physical it's oh yeah yeah so so what have you got this week okay. or maybe we should explain that uh each week we each bring two elements we don't know what the other one's bringing um so this week you're leading you're bringing an actor and sort of a main theme and i'm yeah. gonna come in throw a wrench in it bring another actor and like a wild card yeah. so what have you got okay so last episode i talked about how i wanted more movies based on literary works on plays just like Give us mm. something a little more meaty to work with. And I've just been in a real early Soviet NEP era <laughs> rabbit hole. So <laughs> I want to pitch a reimagining of the Mayakovsky play, The Bedbug. So it's NEP era, so it's 1929, I believe. This guy is a member of the proletariat, but he's like a drunk and kind of like a, like a ladies' man. Mm-hmm. But he is getting married to this girl who's from this bourgeois family to kind of provide her this facade of legitimacy. But then there's a fire at their wedding, mm-hmm. and he gets frozen for 50 <laughs> years, 50 years, and he wakes up in the future. And he is in this ideal communist world. Like, there's no poverty, destitution, there's no mm-hmm. illness, natural disasters have been defeated, and people do not know about, like, drinking or swearing or spitting oh, or, no. like... Spitting? Like, Did you yeah, say really, spitting? literally spitting. Like any of those oh, no. things, or like, or like being like heartbroken or anything like mm. that. So the title comes from he gets unfrozen, and so does the bed bug that he was frozen with. <laughs> so like his only companion is this little bed bug. <laughs> so he's like unfrozen in this future, and they put him in a zoo because they're like we have to contain that. Like basically, yeah. like he's a contagion. He's yeah. like this relic of a past. And he's like, but I'm a worker. And they're like, no, you're the wrong kind of worker. Like, you're really good the past. So you're a dirty computer. You're a dirty computer, basically. <gasps> yeah. So there's connections to Jomonet. And then mm. also my actor, okay. you were just talking about New Zealand. So my actor <gasps> is Jermaine Clement because um, I think he would play like a really great, like oh, I think it great. should be, we can really like riff with this, but mm-hmm. I think he'd be a great like 
kind of loudish, like, yeah. ladies' man who Definitely. wants to play. So he plays the guitar, and they actually, like, have people cover their ears. They're like, no, you'll be infected with his, like, <laughs> um, romantic so tunes. So you're pitching a musical, Meg? I guess I'm I pitching a musical. You have you converted me? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been music-pilled. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like I, a bed bug. It's an earwig. It's an earwig. Ooh, I like it. Yeah, <laughs> so I mean, we could take it however. I should, I really feel like I have to make this note. Someone has made what I think is basically a reimagining of this play into mm-hmm. a film. It is a Woody Allen movie. Oh, no. <laughs> um, Sleeper, his movie that's about basically mm, okay. uh, basically he makes a movie in which a man, like a neurotic New Yorker in the 70s, like himself, is frozen and comes back in the future and it's also like this kind of utopian society that he doesn't fit into so well i mean someone has made a a thing i just needed to say that put that out there yeah but clearly no one wants to see any of his movies anymore so i think (laughs) so time is fresh take well i was gonna say it's almost like a reverse what's it called the connecticut yankee and king arthur's court yeah exactly it's a fish fish out of water Mm -hmm. and i think what i like is the idea of this person who was like you know, like, he was pretty with it back in his day, <laughs> yeah. but now it's like, oh, you're... Oh, <laughs> grandpa. You're, like, a horrible, like, you must cover your ears. Don't look at him. <laughs> and He's like, gonna spit. Literally, like, they put him in, like, a cage of the zoo. <gasps> oh, my God. Hopefully in a this. utopia, there's no, um, <laughs> there's no actual, like, cages for yeah, yeah. people. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, it could be, if we want to go full New Zealand, it could be a Taika Waititi film, because I think it oh, could be, like, a would be really so fun... Okay. Well, I don't know if there's too much of a wrench then. So I just wanted to see, I've been watching uh, the show Sex Education on oh, Netflix. Oh, it's so good. I love it's it. So it's so okay. cute. It's so cute. So Jillian Anderson. I want to see Ooh. her. She's sexy. Yes. I love her. Okay. Um, I'm still not sure if she's, she's like born in America, but she's like from Canada. But and she's in she every British, British just, thing. Br- yeah. She's a perfect British accent. She definitely I, chooses to live there, I think, maybe. Yeah. She's a chameleon. And the... The little wild card is I want a microfiche scene, Meg. I want someone in a you'd like yeah. you'd like this a library microfiche. You know, well, you with know the, okay. Yeah. I love this because okay. you know microfiche microfilm is a really really stable format. Like there oh, are really? electronic formats that have obsolesced yeah. since obsolesced. Micro- mm-hmm. Yeah, that like have that, word. Okay. that microfiche is like still it's really it's really up. stable. Okay. So maybe. Oh, it'd be interesting, like, I guess we can decide, like, when he's from. He doesn't have to be from now. He could be mm-hmm. from, like, 70s or 80s if we yeah. think that's a cool vibe. Mm-hmm. And so I think Jillian Anderson, like, she could just be the scientist who maybe is a little captivated by his charms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perhaps. Exactly. And then she has to, or she sends someone to actually go and look at the old microfiche. That's why I'm thinking, I'm wondering if he should be like 70s, 80s. Because it's like, what was like, what was this guy's deal? Like, he says he was maybe like, maybe he's like a lounge singer or something. Oh, I love that. And they're like, what, what? Let's look at some old papers, some old, like, star news. <laughs> well, yeah, that's another thing. I don't know if we need to explain that microfiche or microfilm, you know, in a film, and they go to the library. Yeah. And it's, it's such old information. It's not on the internet, so they you go through old newspapers. Mm-hmm. And so they're on the screen, and it's like, they roll through. It's going yeah. for their eyes. So I just didn't know if everyone knew what microfiche or microfilm oh, yeah. was, but just to explain. Yeah. So that would make more sense if he's from, like, the 70s or 80s yeah. or so. And then, yeah. Or they could, like, that's the only way he knows how to search information, so they could, like, put a bunch <laughs> yeah. of stuff on microfiche and then like give it to him to be like here's what you've missed in yeah. the last 50 years and well, he's like true. Okay. sailing through like all the newspapers like what up <laughs> so i think yeah the new zealand film board needs to fund this 
And yeah, that's right. It can be the new Encino Man. Oh wait, <laughs> <laughs> he's not quite that. Okay, okay, he's not that ancient. Okay. He's not that ancient. Smash Palace, Smash Palace. You see on the outside of the canister. Yeah. Well, maybe that's what he calls his lair. Like, yeah, when, yeah, like the scientist, when the scientists come to visit yeah. him in his little uh, apartment, Smash Palace. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so now let's talk what's been on our radar since the last episode. What Mm -hmm. we've been watching, what we're excited about, films past, present, and future. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, if I may return to... Um, all the the resume items from yeah, Cherry Two Thousand. Yeah, Sorry, I've got a it full was, list. It was it was ripe. Sorry, yeah. So I was uh, ripe cherry. Anyway, so Cherry Two Thousand, as I mentioned earlier. Just had a, a very interesting resume from all the collaborators. So sorry, I kept going down the rabbit hole, finding interesting things. So sorry if I make it back to that part yeah. two. Okay, I'm just gonna basically be reading some IMDb um, synopsis, like little like log lines, really quick. Okay. The cinematographer for Cherry 2000, Jacques Hayten, I think I mentioned him earlier, he also did uh, Shocker from 1989, mm. Wes Craven. So, after being sent to the electric chair, a serial killer uses electricity to come back from the dead and carry out his vengeance on the, it. on the football player <laughs> who's turned him into the police. And I'm like, like, professional, <laughs> college, high school, yeah. peewee, I don't know, football player. Uh, what does that mean? God, Just like remember. a... Like a Sunday league. Anyway, yeah. I've heard of it, and I can even picture like the the image, like the yeah. poster. So, uh, so anyways, I want to check that yeah. out. Uh, so, uh, the okay, and so that cinematographer also did, and I'm not saying I condone this, but here this exists. I've just shown it to you, reporting back. It's called My Demon Lover, 1987. Whoa. Here it is. <laughs> uh, a homeless street musician becomes a demon when sexually aroused. Full stop. That's the synopsis. That's the synopsis. Okay. Uh, it's probably problematic. I'm just letting you know it exists in the yeah. world. Something that's like for real, as I was going, uh, during the search, I was looking up um, Afrofuturism, and there's something I desperately wanted to see, but I could not find it anywhere. And so it's a short. It's called Afronauts. It's a 14-minute black and white narrative short by Francis Bodomo or uh, Bodomo. Um, about the real-life Zambian space program. Mm. So, um, unfortunately, like I said, I couldn't find it anywhere, but um, I think I saw that a feature-length version might be in production now. Oh, interesting. And the trailer is available on YouTube, and honestly, I <laughs> I can't emphasize enough, like, watch it. There, Like, the whole thing is, like, just about a minute, and it is gorgeous in mm. one minute i swear you're gonna be like this might be the best film i've ever seen <gasps> and it's one minute long Whoa. it's so beautiful it um in the background is the song from sun sessions the elvis song uh oh yeah blue moon so it's got which i'm like i don't care about elvis but apparently like james knew about this i was like oh what band covered this song he's like no that's elvis from the sun sessions and he had it on vinyl and we played it and i was like i've never heard this version of the song i hate the song i don't care about elvis but it's beautiful and it's perfect uh, because, you know, they're trying to, like, I guess, maybe potentially go to the moon. And mm. it's it's just the most beautiful one minute. If you just want, like, one minute of poetry on YouTube wow. for free, you know. Honestly, I'm sorry I'm hyping it too much. Yeah. But I, I swear you'll you'll like it. I promise. Can't wait. 
yeah, just check that out. So just look at uh, look up Afronauts on YouTube. Okay. Yeah. So one film, wish I coulda, and I know you wish you coulda <laughs> as well, for this episode on the Silver Globe. Oh yeah. Which is 1988 by Andrzej Zalowski. There are there's a like a new print that's a, like Ooh. making the rounds of some film centers in New York, LA, oh. London. It is just not, I could not track down I could that film. Okay. So mm-hmm. that's a, that's on the wish list. So if you have, if you know where we can see this, hey, film, hit us up. Or if you, if it's, a hyperlink. Yes, <laughs> hyperlink on the world wide web. Yeah. <laughs> File transfer us. <laughs> um, so that was one, like, just based on film stills. I'm like, this mm. looks gorgeous. Oh, my God. I yes. don't know where people are getting these film stills, but yeah. please Ooh. loop us in. Rogues on yeah. torrents or something. Pirates on the high seas <laughs> of the dark web. Ooh, know. Dark web. You know, it scares me, Meg. Don't mention it's it. It's scary. It's too scary. Uh, Silk Road. Okay. <laughs> Silk Road. That is on a good the documentary. Silk Road. Until the Silver Globe. On the Silk on Road. The Silk Globe. <gasps> okay. What else? What have I been watching? Honestly, besides the films I was watching in preparation for this, I was a full. It was a full there. Yeah, yeah I, we have been watching a uh, Sex Education, which I really, oh, really, it's really like. Cute. It's like a very empathetic, sort mm-hmm. of sweet show without being like schmaltzy, mm-hmm. which is nice. Yeah, I've also been watching, obviously, watching shit tons of Terrace House because that I don't think I've mentioned <laughs> on this podcast. Where but my Terrace heads at? I don't know. <laughs> what are they called? Terrace heads. It's honestly so. If you like very, if you like quiet movies that are kind of contemplative and. Um, I have a, I recommended to a friend and she was like, I cannot watch the show. It's just people chopping onions for like a minute straight <laughs> because it's all, it's like these, it's like real world, but it's the Japanese sort of version. So it's like six strangers living in a house, mm. but instead of like being insane and binge drinking, they're like, they, you know, make mistakes and they're very like reflective on their problems mm. and they work things out and talk to each other really beautifully. And I just, then they make a stew. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they make like, they make like some delicious like dinner mm. together and, uh, it's just really lovely. And the best part about it is the commentators, who I, like, follow many, oh. like, several of them on Instagram. Oh, okay, because okay. they are, like, this, they're a real fun peanut gallery. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, those are what I've been watching. I also finally saw Shoplifters, which is incredible, oh. and I would totally recommend it to anybody. It's totally devastating and gorgeous, and that's it. That's it for that's me. It. <laughs> I now have a huge want-to-watch list after all the films that you talked about today. So. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Who will be... We'll be busy. Well, thanks for joining us, Space Cowboys. (laughs) If you like what you hear, you can leave us a rating and review. Or if you can't believe we omitted one of your favorite future films of all times. Or if you have, like, the inside line on actual utopian movies. Because, boy, it seems like everything is truly (laughs) dystopian. You can uh, send us an email at storyboardpod at gmail.com or via Instagram at storyboardpodcast, via Twitter at storyboard underscore pod. Um, and another reminder, you can just hit the links in the episode notes. There's, I feel like there's a lot of films mentioned this episode. Just hit those links. <laughs> yeah. Like, do not be trying <laughs> yeah. to Google this as you're going along. Yeah. Until next time. And I love all the twists and turns in it, too. I know, so, yeah. You know, if you, you, I'm like, saying, if you want some twists and turns. It's topsy-turvy. It's yeah. like a Jamiroquai video, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know which way is up. Is that a good Yeah, there's like a cute, like, sort of... <laughs>
Um, okay. Oh, it's like the future. Virtual, Virtual insanity. insanity. And a tooth gun. Okay. 